2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 12, 4. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. Far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, and dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the Antiarch, under Eretus, the king was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise, heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Father, teach us, show us the importance of this text, show us how to guard ourselves in this crazy day and age in the church, and that, Father, um, your true servants are among us, and yet, Father, we seem to wander And look at those who are false and pay more attention to the false, the deceivers. Those who do not exalt the Lord, who do not exalt your word, and who are doing it in their own strength for their own glory. Father, guard us. Dangerous times. Father, as they were dangerous for our brother Paul. Father, even so this day. Help us, my King, my Lord, my Savior. That we may be... Workers approved, rightly dividing your truth to my King and my Savior, in Christ's name, amen. What we're looking at is proof of an apostle. The uh, problem the Apostle Paul was having is that people were saying he was not an apostle. He had no right for what he was doing. He had no power for what he was doing. He had no authority for what he was doing. And so our best thing is he had character flaws And in those character flaws, please be aware that we probably shouldn't listen to the man. What had happened was that the Corinthians were buying it. And they had started following him. He had written two letters. One letter we don't have. Then we have 1 Corinthians. Then he wrote a third letter, 
what is called the severe letter. We don't have that one either. And then the severe letter had pierced the souls of many of the people. They had come back to restore the relationship with the Apostle Paul. And then he writes 2 Corinthians. And it's the first time that he actually takes these people on head up. And it's like I said, it would have been interesting to be in church on that Sunday when this letter was read and then people were trying to crawl under the pews. Because if they weren't trying to crawl under the pews, they probably left. So we, we've been looking through this. And it's going to take us some time to get through it because there are people today in Castle Rock who call themselves apostles. Okay. And, you know, normally when I hear that word, it's either someone trying to be spiritual or they're lying. Okay. Because if I use the word, the generic term apostolon, that means a sent messenger. If you're saved, you're an apostolon, you're a sent messenger. You have the message of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be a, you know, a quiet one that doesn't say anything, but it still doesn't mean you're not a messenger. And sometimes if the truth is be known, your life will speak louder than your words. Okay? Even in a positive way. Sometimes it speaks in a negative way. The Apostle Paul started out here in verse 22 to show that he was equal. He had the lineage that would give him the qualification of being an apostle. So when I go from apostolon, okay, a sent messenger, then there is the definite article apostolon. Some people will call it the office of apostle. All right. Every apostle that I've seen is Jewish. And they have a Jewish lineage. They never called Timothy an apostle. Why not? Jewish mother, Greek father. All right? But all the rest of them, who were they? Luke was never called an apostle. Titus wasn't called an apostle. Okay? You got the 11 guys in the upper room and Paul. And, And one of the things that we don't pay attention to is their lineage was Jewish. And I'm going to show you that today. But he had the qualifications. And that's what verse 22 says. It says, if it comes to the lineage of being qualified to be an apostle, I am equal to them. Okay. But that's not where the apostle Paul wants to stop. All right. He moves in verse 23 through 27 to show this is the mark of an apostle. Okay, and what I mean is, okay, one of the qualifications is you must have Jewish lineage. Okay, both sides. All right, but you also have to be called by the resurrected Christ face to face. All right, and if you go back, he speaks of the visions that he has in chapter 12. I don't know whether it's in the body or out of the body or whatever. God knows. Okay, I'm talking, you've got a personal encounter with Jesus Christ standing right in front of you. Okay, take the 11 in the upper room. They had it. Paul on the road to Damascus. They had it. He had it. So when you see these, quote unquote, 12 apostles, they all had this. They're Jewish And Christ resurrected, called them. All right? But verse 23, 
is what he wants to get at. Because he wants to show that his point is not that he has the lineage of the credential to be an apostle. He wants to show that he is superior to them. Because they've already, and we've already looked at it. They were calling themselves super apostles. And he's like, right, dude. (laughs) That's not exactly how the Hebrew would have said it. But that's how I would have said it. Okay? The Corinthians, he wants them to stop listening to the false apostles. He wants them to quit listening to the false teachers. He wants them to turn, all of them to turn back to the Apostle Paul because he is superior to them in every way. He does this in an amazing way. Because in doing this, saying, I am superior, how do you do that and maintain your humility? What a trick, eh? Okay? Now, I, I sit back, there's every once in a while, I'll sit at my desk and I say, okay, if I'm the Apostle Paul, all right, and I'm trying to get this dealt with, and I have to defend myself as a true apostle of Jesus Christ, how do I do that? How would I show myself superior to these antagonists, to these false accusers, to these false apostles? How? And, and you want to make your case. This isn't something to play with. Okay? This is damnable heresies. You, you, you don't want to, well, you know, I think they're just a little crooked. No! They're not a little crooked. They're leading you to hell. How would you approach it? If you were the Apostle Paul, how would you approach it? What would you say, these are my credentials? Now think about this, because you are bombarded daily with this. What is your proof that this individual is a superior? Well, you could say, uh, I've been in a Gentile world, but yet I was trained in Jerusalem. I knew both cultures, the Gentiles and the Jews. Very well, actually. I have sat at the feet of the greatest scholars, biblical scholars. I have traveled all over the civilized world. And I've been with the elite of so many different cultures. Whether it is Judaism or whether it is of the Gentile world. I have been in the place of kings and rulers and governors, magistrates. And look at the number of churches that I have planted. And think about how many people that I have led to Christ. So many I can't count. Large masses have been saved by my preaching. And it literally has caused people to burn their idols in response to the power of my preaching of the gospel. The men I have discipled are now out preaching and teaching and multiplying. You could go on and on about what Paul did. Correct? And you know what is amazing? That's not what Paul does. Because everything I just said to you is absolutely true. But look at verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. 
to, and you know, I, I had to go through this a couple of times because it, it, I, I read some commentaries and I screwed up because usually I try to have it hammered out and then I go make sure that I'm not a heretic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't make sure I just didn't come up with this. Okay. And what I did is I read some commentaries at first and I read three notable men and they all disagreed. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this drives me nuts. So I had to go back to the syntax. The syntax is how does it form in the Greek structure of the sentence? What does it look like? All right. And that, ever since then, I've needed glasses. But anyway. What the statement says is that to call these false apostles servants of Christ is insane. Okay, because they were a lot of these guys are trying to say, well, this is Paul saying he's insane for even. No, he who's he dealing with people who claim to be superior, super apostles. And he says to call them servants of Christ is insane. All right. And it is. Okay, it is. But he's saying it for the sake of the argument. All right. So there's no false can be anything in a servant of Christ. Please understand that. that. Listen, would you call Balaam a servant of God? No. What a Balaam? Of, no. I mean, you can't even. His donkey was more of a servant. Okay. But you can't say that. Judas Iscariot was the servant of Christ. Okay, but we will do that today. Well, they teach error. Well, but they kind hearted. What? (laughs) That's silly. All right. But you see that. And that's what Paul says. This is insane. Why would I call these people servants of of Christ? All right. Listen, a false teacher, a false apostle Okay, a false believer is only serving themselves. Please understand that. His comment is, I more so. I more so. I far more. The word there that you see for insane is stronger than the word of foolishness. All right, verse 17, he uses the word foolishness. It's not the same word in 23. Uh, you see it in verse 21, where it says, to my shame. Okay, that's foolishness. To my foolishness. All right, it's, it's the same word that you see in 17. The word insane in the original language is to be beside yourself. Okay, now in the context, he's saying, I am being beside my mind. Okay, you know what our verbiage would be? I'm out of my mind. All right. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so what he's saying is, I'm a madman even to suggest that they are servants of Christ. But as servants of Christ, I'm more so. All right. I am a far better minister of Christ than they are. Well, you know, it's funny when I read that because, well, yeah, he was saved. They ain't. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really not that spectacular. Okay, what they had is a birth privilege. They had the lineage that they could have been an apostle. Okay, but Paul was equal to them in the lineage. In the work related to Christ, 
he was far more superior. All right? Okay, and what he's going to do now, all right, the rest of 23 and 27, let's read these because it's kind of amazing. All right? He says, In far more labors, far more imprisonments, Beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers and dangers from my countrymen and dangers from the Gentiles and dangers in the city and dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea and dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and exposures. All right, stop right there. The man is out of his mind. All right. Listen, what an approach to life right there. Okay, that text right there, speaking of the life of the Apostle Paul, makes Eeyore look like an optimist. Okay. I mean, read that. Wow, dude. Um, perhaps you need to change your style of ministry. Maybe you need to be a little more creative. Maybe you're just saying it wrong. If you say it differently, uh, it wouldn't be so bad. You know, I can go through that right there and say, the dude is not seeker-friendly. Right? I mean, just read it. You're like, ooh. Okay? He's not going to fit the, uh, you know, all of the systems that you see today. All right? I'm not sure you're helping the cause of Christ here, Paul. It would seem like people have an anger towards you. Perhaps you should tone it down. And I had one guy said, see, that's why the Apostle Paul said, oh, I'm insane. And I'm like, I don't think that's why Paul said he's insane. That This is the proof of the man's insanity. I mean, if you were to hear this credentials, you're sitting down talking to a minister. And you would say, how do you get into so many messes, dude? You truly have to be doing something Wrong. How does that text right there fit in the church in Castle Rock today? In prison, beaten so much I can't even count them. Stone shipwrecked. What's wrong with this guy? And how could this possibly be evidence to prove he's an apostle? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Because what I've learned is, I have a statement that I make to men that I deal with on a semi-regular basis. Have you not read? How does this prove apostleship? I'll show you how it proves. Okay? I have a couple of places I'll show you how it proves. All right? Come with me. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. Verse 1, Jesus summons his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits and to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Okay, now he names them in verses 2 through 4. 
All right. He tells us who he's sending out. Okay. What is an apostle? One sent out with a message. Right. All right. Verse seven. Verse six. Yeah. Seven. I mean. And as you go, this is what I want you to do. Preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? That's what I want you to do. So he sends them out. Okay, now, I'm going to give you a qualifier here. There's a name listed in the group who was sent out who's not an apostle. Who is it? Judas Iscariot. Okay, why? Is this the resurrected Christ sending them out? You know what I call this right here? Their ordination. Alright? Because I want to show you something that I want you to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm sending you out. Look, drop down there to verse 16. Behold. When I read that word, it's almost like, uh oh. <laughs> okay? Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Hmm. Right off the boat, he wants you to know, I'm sending you into a... Uh, if you want to use the vernacular day, it would be a non-seeking environment. Okay? Or you could look at it and say, I'm sending you into a hostile environment. Sheep in the middle of a wolf pack. What a great place for a sheep. Okay? Now, the wolf will think so. Alright? That's how it's going to be, people. Who is saying this? If you've got a red-letter Bible, what's this say? Okay, do you think he's fibbing? He's exaggerating for the sake of the point. He's saying, you will be a sheep in a hostile environment. Verse 17, he tells me who the wolves are. Be aware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their Synagogues, verse 18, and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry how you or what you will say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. All right. The men are the wolves. And Jesus is talking to the apostles and he's saying, which Paul was one of. Okay. And if you think about it, did Paul get caught in this promise? You know what? Paul is the living fulfillment of this promise. Was Paul a sheep in the midst of wolves? Everywhere he went, they wanted to devour him. Everywhere they went, they wanted to destroy the Apostle Paul. And you know what's funny about it? 
Jesus said so. It's sort of like when Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to shake you. Okay, Peter says, he told him no, right? (laughs) And he said, nah, I prayed for you. Yo, dude, you're the creator of creation. (laughs) Couldn't you do something more than pray? (laughs) You know, because I hear people say, well, put a hedge around like you did Job. It worked for Peter, didn't it? And you know what? Job had a hedge around him, really. He lost everything that he owned except a nagging wife. All right? That's pretty good. The hedge ain't working, Lord. See what I'm trying to get at? Have you ever thought that you were a sheep in a hostile environment? Paul was delivered over to courts. Over and over and over. Answering the same to judges, administrators, magistrates, rulers, authorities. He was in front of governors. He was in front of kings. He was in front of Felix and Festus and Agrippa. He was always on trial. And you know what? He eventually got two trials in Rome. He wanted to visit Rome. His third trip to Corinth, he writes the church in Rome, says, I want to come and visit. I didn't realize I was coming in chains both times. He was scourged in synagogues five times, he says. Listen, Jesus is promising. Jesus is predicting what is going to happen to his apostles, to his sent messenger. And if you don't believe me, look at Paul's life. If you want to know if he is a true apostle, see if he fulfills the prophecy of Jesus. The credentials of a true apostle. You know what number one credential is? Suffering. Suffering. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that would be a characteristic of the life of an apostle. Drop down there in verse 19. They will hand you over, but do not worry. I'll give you words to say. They'll give you over to sentencing. And you know what? Jesus will be with you. Verse 24. What does it say? A disciple. A student. Okay, now, in the context, who's he talking to? To the twelve. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he becomes, verse 25, that if he becomes like his teacher and the slave like his master, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of the household? Listen. What he's trying to tell you and I here, as he would have told the Apostle Paul, okay? Did they persecute Jesus? And you don't think you won't be? If you act like his student, or you act like he's your master, what do you suppose 
is going to happen. If you try reflecting what Jesus taught, your life will condemn lost people. And if he is your master and they hated him, guess what? We should reflect what he commands. We should behave like him. And when you behave like him, guess what? You will be treated like him. Let me give you a verse that so many people have missed in life as Christians. Same chapter, verse 34. Do not think. That I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Interesting, don't you think? Paul fits the promises of Jesus towards his apostles. If you cruise on over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Chapter 15 is about halfway through what is called the Upper Room Discourse. We celebrated the Lord's table. They had just partaken of the Lord's table. And Jesus gives him concluding instructions. Okay? It's a fascinating text. Fascinating. And we'll start there at verse 18. If the world... Now, you got him in the upper room. Right? Judas has left. Now, look what happens. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me... Before it hated you. Did anybody tell you that when you got saved? You get saved, you know what? The world's going to hate you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Uh Uh-oh. What? What did that say? Bummer, if the world don't hate you, but they love you, guess what? You ain't his. You're not his. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater. He repeats what he said in Matthew. Is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours Also, verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. It's it's that Paul was on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians because he thought he was doing God's work. And yet they. He didn't know him. They didn't know him. Because of the rejection of Christ, it is the rejection of his father. And you know what? That's what we preach. And we will be treated the same way. Verse 23. He who hates me hates my father. Can I? You got to understand something. He's just instituted the Lord's table. All right. He celebrated the Passover. Told him what's going on. Told him he, that he needed to leave because he was going to send one greater than him. The Holy Spirit. Right? 
and he tells them that you're going to need the spirit. Why? The wolves don't like you. You're in a hostile environment. Look what he says. Chapter 16. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Hmm. Listen, you know what is amazing about this? This is the Apostle Paul on both sides. He thought he was doing the will of God. He thought if he kicked him out of the synagogue and killed them, guess what? This is what God wants. And then they will kick you out of the synagogues and they will imprison you and they will hate you. And Paul learned that one too. Paul did this and he received this. Paul was on both sides of this promise. But if you cruise on down... In chapter 16, go to verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Okay, did you see that? How happy could that make you? I'm going to have a mega church. I will adhere to the church growth movement. People will love my Jesus because they love me. Now, Jesus said the world's going to hate you. And how serious was that? Do you know what chapter 17 is? It's the Lord's Prayer. Look what it says. Jesus spoke these things, lifting his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And he prays for himself. He prays for the disciples that are in the room. And then he prays for you and me. He made it very clear to the apostles that it was going to be difficult. They were going to go to court for their belief and what they said. They were going to have trials before kings for what they said. They would be in prison for what they said. They would suffer beatings for what they said. And they would be hated for what they said. Listen, that is the nature of ministry. Doesn't that just thrill you? Thrills me because I got John 17. What we do is take the truth into a pack of lies. The message of God into the kingdom of darkness. And you know what? Every time you do that, you will find a hostile reaction. Every time. Now, what I just given you in Matthew and in John is, is sort of generic. Okay, but what about specifically? Okay, I'll give you something specifically. The book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 13. Paul is blind in Damascus. All right, and he sent, God goes, Jesus goes to Ananias, a believer in Damascus. And he talks to Ananias and Ananias answers, Lord, and this is what you and I would have done. Lord, 
I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who are called by your name. Call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. What does verse 16 say? For I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Hmm. Hmm. How long did it take to prove he would suffer? Not long. Verse 22. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to what? Let's get saved. Paul's right. No. They plotted to do away with him. They wanted Paul dead. Why? His message of light in darkness. Go on over to Acts chapter 20. Please. Verse 22. Acts 20 verse 22. Paul saying goodbye in Ephesus. Now behold... Bound in the spirit, and I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Okay? What I'm trying to point out to you is this was the Apostle Paul's life. I read a commentator, a guy wrote a book called The Corinthian Catastrophe, and he made this statement, and I quote, Paul went into town, and he never asked what the hotel was like, but what the jail was like. He knew that was where he would end up, unquote. Now think about that for a second. And he carried that with him his entire ministry. He was in the Mamatine prison in Rome. And the Mamatine prison is a, is a fascinating place, actually. Um, I hope that someday I may get the chance to uh, visit there. But basically what the Mamatine prison was, a series of dungeons. I guess that's the only way I could crawl. And, and they were circular. Okay, They had a hole in the top where the guards could throw moldy bread or whatever to try to Keep them in there, and then, it, but it was circular. Okay, if you went to the bathroom, it was just the center of this round room, and it would be packed full of people until the, the courts in Rome could listen to you. Okay, hear your plea, hear your testimonies, and all the rest of it. He's in one of these holes. On the inside wall of it was a wooden door. Okay, a, a wooden shaped door. If the courts got backed up. Okay, if you ended up in the Mamatine prison, you were in trouble. Okay, they didn't take the shoplifters to the Mamatine prison. 
Okay. Uh, anyway, had this wooden door is in the corner, and if it got backed up, the courts weren't going to get to it. They would slide that door open, and it opened to the sewage system of Rome. And this round room would act like a toilet bowl, and it would flush everybody out into the sewage system. They close the door back, fill it up again. That's where the Apostle Paul is when he writes Second Timothy. This is Paul's last letter before he has his head removed. All right. He's basically telling young Timothy, I'm done. I'm done. And I want you to carry on. And I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to waver. I don't want you to be cowardice. I want you to understand this is what we're in for. And here's what he tells young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul says, my life is a working of this principle. Okay? But understand, it was specific. What I've shown you thus far is apostolic prophecy. The false claim to have letters of commendation. Remember? 2 Corinthians 3.1 We have letters. They have letters. Weighty letters from people of importance in Jerusalem. Paul says, I have on my body my marks of commendation. He says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 17, I bear on my body the scars of Christ. People could come up to the Apostle Paul and say, prove your apostleship. And he could say, I will take off my shirt and you will see them. First mark of being a real apostle is he suffered. Is that he suffered. I won't go through all these. I've got more. But I'll let you go through them if you want to. I want you to understand this was the constants of his life. We've already looked at it. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4. Verse 5. Verse 6. Verse 7. Verse 8. Verse 9. Verse 10. That's how it went. Chapter 4 verse 8. Chapter 4 verse 10. It was all for the cause of Christ. He knew in verse 12 of chapter 4, he knew that any moment could be his very last. But he also knew that he believed and he spoke. As long as he spoke what he believed, he would confront the culture. And you can look at the Apostle Paul's entire life and what do you see? Chapter 6, verse 4. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in affliction, in hardship, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in unsleeplessness, and in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. That was the Apostle Paul. We'll look at it again in the future. Chapter 12, verse 10. 
Therefore, I'm well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All right. So you go back to the text that we were looking at in 11. Verses second half of 23 through 27. You will see this is the Apostle Paul's life. This was this man's life. His existence. All right. And I want to take a little time to go through it. So you see what he did. Why? Because the marks of a true apostle. One is the lineage. Two is being called by the resurrected Christ. But the number one mark of a true apostle is his experience of suffering for the cause of Christ. And he lists it out here. Which is an odd way to say, I have been sent. Because most people today, if you laid these credentials out, they would say, you're not called because people should like you. Really? What'd they do with your king? What'd they do with your king? Why would they like you? Oh, wait. The world loves its own. Right? And if you come along there and you enjoy with them, then guess what? The world won't hate you. But you do have bigger problems. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my brother Paul and how amazing it is that I see in this man. Father, I thank you for the time you have given me with him. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this day that they will understand and have a longing of the Apostle Paul. And Father, they will see far more, far more, and in more. Father, he set a pattern for each of us. Father, may we be found worthy, walking, And your righteousness, knowing your persecution. Thank you, my King, my Lord, my Savior. In Christ's name, amen.